Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us on Luke 21 Radio as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. And today, we are in Revelation chapter 4, which is a throne vision, which I'll be describing in a moment. But as I mentioned last time, chapters 4 and 5 in the book of Revelation are the two most important chapters. You've got to get this as far as what is being taught in these two chapters in order to have an accurate interpretation and appreciation for what follows. And on the more practical or you might say spiritual warfare end of things, you will be able to survive the deceptions and the assault of evil that the Antichrist brings upon the world that's described in the book of Revelation. You will be able to understand what John's intended message is And then finally, in your daily life, you will be a faithful Christian. You need to know what heaven is like in order to live an authentic Christian life on earth. Well, why is that? Well, we're supposed to pray regularly, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we don't have any idea of what's going on in heaven, we'll be rather confused as how we're to live our lives on earth. So what's going on in Revelation chapters 4 and 5 is a life-changing vision of heaven. What are your thoughts of what uh, heaven is like? I can remember quite distinctly uh, my boyhood conceptions of heaven. I remember in Sunday school being taught about heaven. I went home, kind of dreamt about it, and the best I could come up with is you would take an airplane just as high as you could go in the sky, and then once you hit the top ceiling of the sky, there was kind of like the door to your attic, and you open that door and go through it, and somehow that's heaven. That's about as far as I got. But let me ask you, what are your children's conception of heaven? Because whatever their conceptions of heaven are will affect how they view their life on earth. It is to be our orientation, so to speak, on how we are to live. And honestly, my boyhood uh, uh, conceptions of heaven, though nice and rather immature, are totally, completely inadequate for life in the 21st century. So let's take a look at a vision of heaven. And just think, do you you like travel shows on TV or even like a, a... a TV show where they happen to show you an interesting shot of another culture, another city, and travel. How about getting a picture of heaven itself? This is what we have right here. And unfortunately, too many Christians are unexposed to it. So what's going on in Revelation 24? And hear me accurately because these are life-changing visions that actually have occurred at other points in redemptive history. Uh, I've counted at least five times in the Bible, you have a throne vision. And every time there's a throne vision, there is a tremendous personal transformation. Very often it's involved in the transformation and calling of a prophet who's got a tough message of judgment, because once you see what God is like, 
you have a proper lens to view what life on earth should be like. And when it's way out of sync, you know that trouble, namely judgment, is on the way. But here are the five points in Scripture where I see throne judgment. There may be others, but number one is Isaiah chapter 6, and I'll come back to that because it's rather brief, and so we can kind of get a look at it, but it's very similar, Isaiah 6 to Revelation chapter 4. Number two is Ezekiel, the very first chapter. The living creatures who are around the throne that we read about in Revelation 4, we read about them in Ezekiel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 7, perhaps one of the most important chapters for all of biblical prophecy, is another throne vision. And then we have St. Paul describing an experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he basically is taken to the throne room, but he doesn't talk. He doesn't explain what he saw, but Daniel, Ezekiel, and Isaiah do. And then finally, where we are today, Revelation 4. These are very similar things. And although the, the descriptions may vary just a little bit, it would be like somebody seeing a really nice new truck coming down the highway. Somebody who might not be really acquainted with trucks would say, oh, it was a red pickup. Somebody else who knows their pickup say, no, it was a Ford F-150 or a Ram truck or a Silverado or whatever. They could be very descriptive. So the descriptions, the very particular descriptions may vary because they're describing something that's almost unimaginable. These are actual visions of men who have been taken into the throne room of God. And in Isaiah chapter 6, it says uh, in Isaiah chapter 6 that on the year that King Uzziah died, that was about 604 BC, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. And it talked about the living creatures around the throne, just like Ezekiel, just like Revelation. And then he heard, holy holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. That's Isaiah 6.3. It's repeated word for word in Revelation chapter 4. This is the worship that's going on around the throne in heaven. It's so important that I'm going to devote an entire broadcast to it next time of Isaiah 6.3 as well as Revelation 4, the trice holy God. And then Isaiah immediately finds out, he says, woe is me. You see, when you see the holiness of God, you see your sinfulness, you need the grace of God to an enormous degree, and those are the dynamics of a full Christian life. Holiness of God, our sinfulness in contrast, and in the middle is filled up with the love of God and the grace of God invading our lives. So that's what's going on, throne visions. And in Revelation chapter 4, and starting in the second verse, he says, I was in the Spirit, and lo, a throne stood in heaven. And as I went through Revelation 4 before, I kept mentioning throne, throne, throne is mentioned repeatedly in this vision of heaven. You see, when I was a little boy, heaven was kind of like the attic door going someplace of which I didn't know what. No, our children, as well as our adults, as well as our teenagers, as well as our college students, need to have a clear vision of heaven 
which is Christ the King seated on a throne. That is absolutely essential for living on earth. And you might say, well, things have gotten a little crazy, and maybe you might even say wicked in the past uh, almost 20 years, that we need something special just to keep our Christian lives together. Well, this is what God gave through St. John to convey to the early Catholics how to survive hell on earth. And it's a vision of Christ enthroned. This is where it all starts. Now, how do you teach this? I've had for years a very simple but effective method of teaching this God-centric, throne-centric, king-centric worldview. You simply draw two circles, okay? You can do this with young children. I've literally done this with youth and college groups and with adults. Draw two circles. One circle, make a cross. That stands for Christ enthroned. And if you're more artistic than I am, make a little chair with the cross or make a cross with a throne on top because it's the idea of Christ the King. He's in the center. And you look in the book of Revelation, around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders. So in other words, everything is laser focused on Christ enthroned in the center of everything, in the center of worship, that is to be our worldview, our controlling vision on how we are to live life on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, this is what heaven is like, okay? And the second circle, you simply put a big I because the basically it comes down to this. Your worldview is Jesus the King, the Lord God Almighty, or with the I, the ego, the lie of Satan will become fulfilled on earth. You shall be like God. And of course, this is a lie, but this is the the temptation put before the human race. And you could say, how does this work? Well, St. Augustine in the City of God says basically the same thing. You have the City of God, which is characterized by love of God and a God-centric worldview versus the city of man is characterized by the love of self, hence that big I. And this is how you see these two different worldviews. But there's something specific about worldview that I'd like to leave you with, and that's the liturgy. I need to... (laughs) begin by saying, I am a non-combatant in liturgy wars. I had plenty of fights as a Protestant about various views, and I ended up saying even the side I was on was wrong. And I just just don't like fighting over types of the mass and liturgy, but I want to share this. I think it's very important, extremely important, for forming worldview for both children, teens, and adults— that the liturgy be centered on Christ, because the liturgy is the closest you come on earth to living his will on earth as it is in heaven. And this is from my parish website. From Christian antiquity, priests and people celebrated the Holy Eucharist by facing towards the Lord. 
which means standing together on the same side of the altar. In other words, oriented towards Christ. Everyone, including the priest, because that's even what the 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 esteemed elders in heaven are all facing Christ. It goes on. This is again from my parish website. Before he became Benedict the Sixteenth, Cardinal Ratzinger, one of the most thoughtful and respective critics of the unintended consequences which flow from the priest and the people facing each other across the altar. Ratzinger argued that this arrangement, in addition to being a novelty in Christian practice, has the effect of creating a circle of congregation and celebrant closed in upon itself, rather than allowing the congregation and celebrant to be a pilgrim people turned towards the Lord. This flattening of divine worship into a self-referential celebration is in part why too many Catholics experience Mass as much less than the source and summit of the church's life. In other words, of all things on earth, the Mass is a worldview teacher like none other. I like my two little circles. They're very helpful in all types of catechesis and youth groups and adults, but better than that, by a hundredfold, a thousandfold, is a liturgy focused on Christ. If possible, attend a Mass where everyone is centered on the enthroned Christ. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to Episode 77 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.